This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, in Revelation chapter 5, I want to rehearse something with you here that we talked about last week. As we begin this uh, conclusion on this verse, Revelation 5, 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, the scene that's taking place here in verse number 8 is an incredible praise and worship moment that John gives us a wonderful perspective on what is taking place. And uh, it's, it's an incredible moment. And we've spent some time last week talking about these prayers that God has bottled up, how that it ascends above the throne as incense, the word says, odors, uh, is the prayers of the saints. And uh, I, I want you to know that God doesn't let any prayer go to waste. And that's why I think one of the reasons God says in the word to pray without ceasing. Last time we were in this particular study, I broke down this thing, this difference between praise and worship. I, I just want to give you a category tonight of different ways we praise the Lord. We can praise him with our singing. I'm not going to go through all of the scripture references again. It would take too much time. But we praise him with singing. According to scripture now, I have scriptures for everything I'm talking about tonight. We praise him with singing. The scripture says we praise him with shouting. The scripture says we praise him with dancing, with musical instruments, with the clapping of hands, with the wonderful recounting of the testimonies of the saints, how God has done specific things for them. And so the truth of the matter is we can praise God for anything. And truly, we, we spent a great deal of time talking about the difference between praise and worship. Listen to this very carefully. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Praise is about God. And worship is to God. Think about that. Praise is opening up. Worship is entering in. Praise is boldly declaring. Worship is humbly bowing. Praise is applauding what God has done. Worship is honoring God for who He is. So praise is stored up in heaven, as the word says here in verse number 8. And so we know the difference between praise and worship, and I think we need a whole lot more of it in our lives, in our personal lives, and in our church. Now look at verse number 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. 
For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now, that's the blood is the payment for sin. It is, it is the pardon for sin. And there is no other payment for sin but the blood. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. But in verse number 9, they said, look at this. And they sung a new song in heaven. Now, it's a song of praise. And so as you look at this, the Bible says, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. All right, who is this talking about? It's talking about the Lamb, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. The Lamb is Jesus. And what he's doing in this particular setting is this. And this is an unusual aspect of Revelation and something that is going to revert back to the Lord. And this is something that we very seldom talk about. I think sometimes... uh and I'm not saying that we ought not to preach everything. Surely the word says we are responsible to preach the whole counsel of God. But I do think that there are some things in prophecy that uh, uh, with restricted time that we are dealing with on Wednesday nights, I think it would bring about more confusion uh, to mention things uh, in a little way and not having the quality of time to follow through. But mentioning this in a rare moment, in short, Jesus in this setting, what he's doing, he's taking back the deed of the earth and he is about ready to take control of it again. I know that sounds confusing and that's a little bit about what I was speaking of just a moment ago. Let me give you two scriptures in Psalms 24 and verse number one. The Bible says this. Look at this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. And then in Revelation chapter four and verse number one, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. For Thy pleasure they are and were created. So in these two passages, the Bible is talking about the earth is the Lord's and that everything in the earth has been created for the pleasurement of God. And so there are two main components of praise. And we're speaking out of the context of verse number nine. And the requirement, or I would say the required payment of blood, redemption is the blood. Let me give you the scripture. And I would encourage you to write this reference down beside verse number nine, first Peter chapter one, verse number 18 and 19. And the word says this, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition 
from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so the, the thing about praise in, in, in the context of verse number eight, two specific things. They were praising, there's angelic praise for the blood. And the, all, the other praise is for the identity of the 20 and four elders. Because the word says this, out of every nation, notice that, out of every nation, every kindred, every tongue, and people, and nation. So the, the 20 and four elders, as Revelation mentions, uh, is representative for the church. And what is the church? The church is every blood-bought believer. Every person that has been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus is part of the church or the bride. When the Lord returns, he's coming for the church. He's coming for the bride. And that's that's so important. So there's a lot of reasons why there's a lot of praise and worship going on. But notice verse number 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, verse number 10 is speaking about the millennium. As I will speak Sunday on the rapture, I want to reemphasize tonight, and I will reemphasize on Sunday morning in the message of the rapture, that there is a major difference between the rapture and the revelation. After the rapture takes place, there will be uh, three and a half years of false peace from the Antichrist, followed by the time of, the Bible speaks of as Jacob's trouble, and that will last for three and a half years as well. That's going on on the earth. When the rapture takes place, we will meet the Lord in the air. Three and a half years will be spent in the air at the judgment seat of Christ, and then we will move into the second phase of that meeting in the air, and it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of that, the revelation takes place. That's when the Lord Jesus defeats the Antichrist, and uh, the battle of Armageddon will be fought. It's at that point in time that Satan will be bound in, in, in the abyss, out of darkness. The place, the scripture says, is burning with fire and brimstone for a thousand years. And Jesus will set up his kingdom on the earth where he will rule and reign from the throne of David. Now, so what are we going to be doing? This is something very important. According to the word of God, every believer is going to be ruling and reigning as priests and kings with Jesus as he is the supreme king of kings and lord of lords, ruling from the throne of David. Look at this. John is saying, and he or has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. This is the millennium reign. Let me give you another scripture as we advance forward a little bit in Revelation 22, verse number 5. 
And the Bible says this, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And the, look at this, and they shall reign forever and ever. We are going to reign with the Lord Jesus as he rules and reigns from the throne of David. We are going to reign with him as priests and kings. Keep in mind that there are going to be people born in the millennium. There are going to be people from the tribulation who, little children, for example, will be born, babies will be born in the tribulation. And some of them will live uh, throughout the horrificness of Jacob's trouble. There is going to be, now, believers will not be reproducing. It is what it is, and it is all behind us. We'll be have, we will have a glorified body. But there will be people on the earth who will be born, who will live in the millennium. And according to the word of God, as believers, we will rule and reign over them, over this extended population of the earth. And by the way, I really believe that that's another aspect of our eternal reward. And so I believe that according to the crowns that are given, the rewards that are given, it will dictate as to how we will rule and reign in the millennium. What place of service we will have, what office we will occupy because of our faithfulness. And it's, I believe it's another reward. Okay, so in the millennium kingdom, let me also uh, say this, and I think you know it well by now, that Jerusalem is going to be the capital uh, it's going to be where the, the throne of David will be, and uh, it will be the place of centralized government. And so the saints are going to reign over the earth. I believe that we will be reigning, as I have said, in royal positions. According to the scripture, verse 10, and has made us our God, king unto our God, kings and priests, look at this, and we shall reign on the earth. One scripture I want to add to this, if they can get this on the screen, is Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 4. And the Bible says, Revelation 20 and verse number 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So again, all of this, what we're talking about now, uh, pertains to the millennial reign of Christ. Now, Revelation 5, verse number 11 and I beheld, and I, and this is important, look at this. John is saying, and I, under, you might even want to underline that word I. He said, I beheld. And then he said, and I heard. So he's seeing and he's hearing the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them 
was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And so all of this captivated John's undivided attention. He speaks about something interesting here in this passage. He talks about angels. And by the way, angels are mentioned all throughout the Bible. Let me give you this scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 12. And the Bible says, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. I don't have time in, in tonight's study in Revelation to talk about angels. I think Brother David spoke on that, taught on that uh, a year or two ago on Wednesday nights. But the interesting thing here about this inhabitants is that the number of angels that John is in reference to is uncountable. He, he uses these words, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. It's an uncountable number. Let me say this about angels real quickly. Jesus did not die for angels. See, angels are created beings. He did not die for them. They are special creations. In verse number 12, saying, these angels saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. In verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all them that and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto them or him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. So the thing that I want you to understand here is that even though Jesus did not die for angels, they are created beings in heaven, but they still feel, this is important, even though he did not die for them, they still feel the incredible joy of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for the salvation and the redemption of every single blood-bought believer. They still rejoice in that. That's an incredible subject all in itself. And so in verse 14, And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders, the church, fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Now, all the living creatures, and the word says this, all the four beasts said, Amen. I think probably everyone in here knows the meaning of the word, Amen. And I wish we had more Amens in our services going on, especially on Sunday. It wouldn't bother me a bit, by the way. Years ago, we used to have a little amen corner that sat in the back over here. Um, all these folks, all these angels and living creatures, as to what's going on in heaven, the praise and the worship, everybody is saying amen. 
giving praise and honor and glory to the Lord. It's a, it's, it's a continual praise. And so now there's, there's a little depth here and I'm out of time already, but let me say this as we close. Because I want you to keep in mind that also there are judgments mentioned here and we need to keep in mind about the three judgments. Number one, there's the judgment of the seven seals. There is the judgment of the seven trumpets and the judgment of the vials of wrath that God is going to pour out on this earth. And uh, this will take place between the rapture and the revelation. Now, we've talked about some things that are going to take place in the rapture. We've talked about things that are going to take place at the revelation. But also there is coming a, a pinnacle moment on the earth when God's judgment is poured out in uncomprehendable ways. And by the way, it's also known, as we've talked about the time of Jacob's trouble, it's also known as the time of Daniel's 70th week of his prophecy, a period of seven years, the tribulation. Again, the first half will be a mild segment of time. The second half will be known as the great tribulation. So we'll stop here tonight. Now keep in mind that next Wednesday we'll have an ordination. The following Wednesday after that we'll have our annual business meeting and then we will get back into chapter 6 and verse number 1. So it's an, I know that we're going to now get into some complicated issues that uh, will take time to absorb, um, but that's just the way that Revelation is, and uh, I knew that it would be this book of complicated study uh, when we began it. So I hope that you'll stay focused, stay tuned in, try to get as much as you can. I, I know you won't get it all, Get as much as you can. It'll be a blessing to you. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.